0: Welcome everybody, it's time for Manufacturing Talk Radio, the only show that takes a look at the obstacles and opportunities open to small and mid-sized enterprises, to manufacture here in America, with your hosts, Tim Grady and Lou Weiss. Hey guys. How are you?
1: Welcome to today's show.
0: Uh, We're pleased to welcome
1: Paul Gervino and Beth Goodbaum of Thomas Net News to Manufacturing Talk Radio. They're here to talk about a well-publicized issue, the brain drain in manufacturing, and what the industry is doing to solve it. You'll hear more from them on why manufacturing's biological clock is ticking in just a moment. Before
2: that, I'd like to have Lou give us a recap of the last show. Lou? Thanks, Tim. Uh, I'd like to do a, a postscript to our November 2nd show. Uh, give everybody a sense of uh, what we did then. Uh, we had Brad Holcomb, the committee chair of the Institute of Supply Management, who uh, was our guest. Uh, we had a terrific discussion, lots of stats and information, and more importantly, explanations of the components of the report that perhaps a lot of our listeners were not even aware of, uh, that would give good information and insight perhaps to drive their business a bit differently than they do now. Uh, if you haven't heard that entire show from two weeks ago, you can go to www.mfgtalkradio.com. Go to the previous show button and either listen to it online or easily download the show and listen to it whenever you have the time. There's a lot of important information for you and your business. Don't miss it. The main breakaways from that, uh, the takeaways from that show were the five primary areas of data that make up, a significant uh, aspect of the report on business. They are new orders, production, employment, supplier deliveries, and inventory of raw materials at the manufacturing level. Listen to the whole show and get all the facts. One final note I'd like to make, I'd like to say thanks to all the kind comments that we got from listeners of our first show on November 2nd. We're thrilled that it was found to be direct, informative, and important. We continue to to address our small to medium-sized enterprise issues as Manufacturing Talk Radio grows and brings more valuable insight to our listeners. We already have a growing list of impressive guests, business consultants, uh, experts, business owners who will be heard on MFG Talk Radio in the near future. On that note, Tim, take it away. Thanks, Lou. Let's
1: talk with Paul Gervino. He is the publisher of Thomas Net News, industry, the industry's most comprehensive online source of product news, information, business trends, and analysis. He has been a publishing executive with Thomas since 1995, and we're looking forward to hearing more about the big impact that his company has on the manufacturing community. Paul, how are you today? Doing great, and thanks for having me. You bet. And with you is Beth Goodbaum. She's the editor of Thomas Net News Career Journal, where she covers the changing career opportunities within manufacturing, the ways technology has been uh, changing the landscape, the job landscape, and the strategies that employers are using to attract and keep talented people. An experienced journalist, she joined Thomas Nett in 2009. Beth, we're really looking forward to some of your comments. Welcome.
3: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Paul, tell me a little bit about Thomas Nett, the history. I know you guys were known for some years as the big green books. Um, give us, and you've gone through quite a transition, a, a metamorphosis of the business. Give us a, a couple of minutes uh, of 125-year history of Thomas Nett.
4: Well, thank you very much, Tim. And, and yes, I mean, we, we were the big green books, and, uh, you know, I remember growing up as a kid, my father was a procurement manager for a major uh, uh, construction firm and going into his office and seeing these 35 green volumes that were decorating his credenza behind him. So uh, it was definitely uh, something that, that I, influenced me when I was a kid, and now I'm working for the company. But essentially, ThomasNet is an information and technology company that connects buyers and sellers, to the industrial B2B and you know commercial space. You know, we sort of jokingly like to say that we're a 115-year-old Internet company. That's because we've been around for 115 years, and we're now an Internet company. Uh, and and but what's really nice is we've had the same mission uh, today that we had when we first uh, started as a company in 1898. What has changed, is how we do it, right? Back then it was print. Now today it is completely online. I think one of the opportunities that we have in the role that we're in is we have an opportunity to talk every day to buyers and sellers to really understand, you know, what are the buyers uh, and specifiers' information needs? You know, what do, how do they look for suppliers? And also we get a chance to talk to a lot of suppliers, whether they be manufacturers, distributors, service companies, in terms of What are their needs to grow their business and and then work on programs that help them reach out to these buyers and and deliver what the buyer needs to do their jobs? And I was listening a little bit in your intro. uh, When you talk about our history, you know, your first show, you interviewed uh, uh, the executive from ISM. Uh, A little unknown fact is Thomas, in the form of Thomas Register, helped ISM get started. Uh, it was a gentleman by the name of Elwood B. Hendricks, a, uh, and B was for Bachelor, so don't ask me how he got the name Bachelor. <laughs> but it was he was a, a salesperson for the Old Thomas Registers, and he saw a need to get all the buyers out there together. And what he did in the New York area was to pull together the, the, the buyers from the local community and start to talk about how they can create an organization that would help elevate the procurement Process, right? Uh, very much a, a procurement focused uh, type of uh, organization. And actually, the, the irony it was a salesperson, uh, it took a salesperson to get the procurement people together. But in the end, what was born out of that was what is today the ISM's New York chapter, and then eventually was the national organization. So, you know, we have a lot of history of working with both sides of, 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 of that coin. Uh, and and as you pointed out, you know, we were Thomas Register, uh, uh, and again, I think, you know, uh, with the bringing together another directory uh, company that we had was Thomas Regional Directories, we brought all that together to create thomasnet.com.
1: Oh, okay, terrific. Wow, that's that's a a lot to bring together and to to make the next evolution now i understand that you have just completed uh, a industry market barometer report and some survey findings um and i know that beth was uh, very much involved in that beth what's the good news coming out of that report for manufacturers
3: well our industry market barometer highlights very important issues and trends for the North American manufacturing sector, and more than 1,200 respondents, small to mid-sized, were part of this survey. And these companies are really the hotbeds of technology and innovation, and they're growing and reinventing themselves. And one of the major findings were that most, eight out of ten, are actually investing back into their businesses to become more efficient to meet these growth uh, projections to increase manufacturing capacity and upgrading facilities. And 74% recognize that the workers are their most important assets.
1: There's something in here that I want to make sure the audience hears about the age
4: of who those workers are. Most of the workers are 45 to 65. They're in that baby boomer generation, you know, which means that many of them are preparing, if not already starting their retirement. The challenge that creates, and I think this is really what the IMB study really highlighted, was an absolute brain drain that's starting to develop. In other words, in that group of professionals between that age, you know, the baby boomers, between the ages of 45 and 65, you have a lot of wealth of information, a lot of knowledge, stuff that you won't find in an employee training manual. And as these people retire... You you have a, a challenge. You're losing all that knowledge, and you don't have a younger generation to pass that on to. So that's becoming a real problem for many of of, of these manufacturers. You know, the, the IMB study, and that it, it is a unique study where we do talk to the manufacturing base. And part of the challenge that I'm that, that I'm sharing with you comes from the fact that last year's study really highlighted the fact that manufacturing as a career needed a brand makeover. And so there's a real uh, need to start to get the, the, the millennials, the 18 to 32-year-old generation, who are either coming out of high school or coming out of uh, a college without a job or in between jobs, to start to look at manufacturing as a really exciting place to work. Do studies like this, you have good news and you have bad news. What's the bad news in this? Well, the bad news is, is there's a real disconnect between the need for manufacturers to start to bring in this new generation and their sense of urgency around making it happen. You know, as I said earlier, you have a, a, a generation that is graying out, that is getting older. Yet when you talk to these companies, 8 of, of 10 are investing back in their business to become you know, more efficient to meet their growth, growth expectations, as Beth said earlier, 74% see that the workers are probably their most important asset to helping them achieve that growth. And in fact, when you when you really uh, get into the survey, you find that 42% have immediate needs right now, 60% are looking for are those are looking for engineers, 59% want skilled trade workers as well as 53% seeking other types of manufacturing and production type of personnel. But again, with this brain drain, with this workforce graying out, manufacturers need to address this challenge. Because today, I think, you know, when we did our survey, 25% or less of those surveyed had millennials as part of their workforce, right? So, you know, you have a, a, a real – uh, issue that's going to be just getting worse as time goes on.
1: Okay, that, that certainly makes a lot of sense. Now, I may have just missed the number. What percentage of the workforce today is millennials and really what needs to change in that balance? Certainly the industry's trying to respond, but you can't walk into the offices and, and fire all the gray hairs and hire all the millennials. So what what needs to happen in this process?
4: Yeah, and and, and, uh, less than 25% today of the workforce are the millennials, which means that 75% are are in that uh, baby boom generation. Again, as these people start to retire, we're not filling these spots fast enough. I mean, when you look at the available jobs in the manufacturing space, hearing numbers anywhere from 200,000 it was recent uh, available jobs that was in a recent Fortune magazine, and some associations saying there's over 600,000 jobs that are still unfilled in the manufacturing space. So when you have these kinds of jobs available, it impedes the ability for the manufacturers to grow their business. So, the you know, the, the negative of that is obviously that as demand continues to grow for American-made goods and as, you know, the need for these manufacturers to, to increase their productivity and increase their output, if they don't fill these spots quickly, eventually what's going to happen is that they're not going to be able to meet this demand. Well, the demand is not going to go away. So if people can't get it in North America – they're going to go outside, you know, across, across the two oceans to try to find solutions and sources for what they need.
1: Sure, that only makes sense. Um, so is there an issue, I think I read, Beth, in your report, with what's coming out of, is it high school or college in terms of the educational level of, of students who are, Manufacturing can't fill 600,000 jobs? That's a lot of
3: jobs. That's a load of jobs. And one of the major issues right now that I'm hearing from manufacturers as I travel around the country, attending conferences and events, and really getting some insight in what these managers, human resource executives have to say is there's a major. Skills gap, but the cognitive skills is, are really not where they need to be in order to succeed and to be competitive. And we're talking about the fundamental mathematics skills, the reading skills, and just the writing skills are really not up to par with even other countries. So, this is part of the big challenge in filling the skills gap.
1: I have seen that on a local level as well, where there is, you know, reading, writing, and arithmetic were what I grew up on as a gray hair. Uh, And apparently, for whatever reason, education has drifted from that. And now it's affecting our manufacturing base, which is going to hit our GDP. So
2: we've got a a, a big gap to fill here. I think we need to talk for a moment when we get back from uh, our break on how organizations like yourself can make manufacturing a cool industry to be in college doesn't do it for everybody, but maybe some other uh, vocational training could make it cool in that there's so much technology today involved in manufacturing. So on that note, I think that we are ready
0: for a break. It's no secret that manufacturers are having trouble filling jobs. Now with Thomas Nett's new job board, help is on the way. For manufacturers, thomasnetjobs.com is the go-to resource to recruit new talent. Post your jobs and get in front of thousands of potential employees. Or, if you're looking for a new job, or if you want to reinvent yourself, thomasnetjobs.com offers exciting opportunities from the floor shop to the C-suite, in supply chain management, engineering, production, or sales. It's all there and more at one spot. Just remember thomasnetjobs.com And I just want to remember to tell everybody that our sponsor today is All Metals and Forge Group, the one place best known for open die forgings and seamless rolled rings in alloy, carbon, stainless, and tool steels, nickel, aluminum, titanium, and copper. To learn more about All Metals and Forge Group, simply visit their website at steelforge.com or send us your request for quote. That's steelforge.com. And now back to Lou, Tim, and the rest of the gang. I'd like to go back a little bit into some
2: of the discussion that we just had a moment ago. Being that Thomas and ISM has been playing in the same proverbial sandbox for many decades, and your missions are and concepts are fairly similar, that is uh, education, information, uh, statistics, and uh, business conclusions... Uh, Is is there any uh, effort from both the organizations to perhaps pool your resources and uh, uh, come up with uh, an effort to find a combined result in uh, dealing with the employment issue for the uh, small to medium-sized
4: enterprise? Sure, and and, and I think today we're working very closely with the Association of Manufacturing Technologies, AMT, around this whole skills gap issue. Uh, And, and again, uh, what we want to do, and, Lou, I think you you use a term which I really want to sort of focus in on, the concept of cool. You know, I think you're right. We need to inject the cool factor back into manufacturing careers, and we're working with, uh, again, organizations like AMT, and we're consistently talking with, uh, uh, ISM, uh, both at the, the, uh, local as well as the, uh, uh, the national level around how we can get the information out around these opportunities. You know, with ISM, it is around supply chain type roles, and, and, uh, that's in the procurement logistics space as well as with AMT on the manufacturing side in terms of uh, the smart, what, what AMT has coined is the smart force, the, the technically savvy workforce that works in manufacturing. So that that is something that I think that we need to do and, 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 and use that word cool more often because, I mean, the reality is these companies, you know, these manufacturers are a hotbed of innovation and technology. You know, when you look at the fact that, you, you know, uh, they, they suffer from the, the perception that they're dirty jobs, grease under the fingernail type positions, sweatshops, you know, a whole set of, of misperceptions. But, if, in fact, when you walk around a lot of these facilities, the floors are actually clean, right? The workers are walking around with PDAs. They're interfacing with computer terminals to make sure that the machines are running properly. So, again, it is the injection of the cool factor back into the manufacturing career.
2: I just received an email from uh, Greg from Houston who has a question for you, Paul. Greg wants to know where he can get more information on perhaps how Thomas or others might be able to help and give him more insight into training and perhaps redirecting
4: his career. Well, first of all, I would say uh, go to our new jobs board, thomasnetjobs.com. Where you can find the latest, uh, jobs in manufacturing that are, that are available today, whether they're, you know, whether they're also in, uh, in the supply chain area and, and, and operation area. You can go to, uh, our career journal, which is thomasnet.com slash journal slash career to get the latest information on, on uh, the steps that you can take To improve your positioning in the marketplace in terms of what kind of training you can go after, what kind of, of, of institutions or even companies offer internships to learn new, new skills. Those are two the, probably the first places that I would go. You can also contact me and I I guess we can give, you know, we'll give you my email address at the end of the show, but it's, if you need it now, it's pdrabino at thomasnet.com and we'll be happy to direct you to uh, information resources and opportunities that, that come our way.
2: Well, that's terrific. I appreciate that.
4: We have another uh,
2: email that came in. We, we haven't really touched on this topic yet, so maybe this is a good segue into that topic. Uh, Madeline from Chicago wants to know more about job equality in the manufacturing workplace for women. Perhaps uh, Beth might have more information available on that uh, with regards to uh, women uh, work equality. Uh, Beth?
3: Fantastic, thank you. And this is a subject I'm very passionate about. And when we look at why women aren't in manufacturing, why more women aren't in manufacturing, we see gender stereotyping, discrimination on the job, and and pay gap as some of the key factors. And recently the U.S. Congress Joint Economic Committee sent out a report that emphasizes several solutions, which is basically to increase STEM, which is science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, uh, education participation, and proficiency for girls as early as elementary school. So get it in their minds that this is a good field to be in. It's a competitive salary range. It's a great field and a good trajectory. And in that, to prepare women with skills and knowledge that are in demand, which means prepare them for high-tech roles through vocational and community college programs. But on that note, it's important to increase the rank of women in leadership roles. And this is 2013. It's important that they're on the trajectory, that they are well aware that they can get into a role where they can become a CEO, where they can become a top executive, and they're not just merely an assistant anymore. And encourage employers to develop mentoring programs, which I cannot emphasize enough. Mentoring is really the key to the skills gap in general, but for young women more so because they need to know that all areas of manufacturing should have role models and provide guidance to them. And one of my suggestions is to just go and talk to other women if you're interested in learning more about manufacturing. I just got back from a Women in Manufacturing Summit in Dearborn, Michigan, where there were so many hundreds of executives on hand to talk about really what it takes to be authentic in a workplace. You don't necessarily always have to act like a man, and that's where some, some of the misconceptions lie, where you have to be super aggressive and you have to be in a certain way, and it's not really the case. To be authentic, to really take tips from other women and to go to conferences, such as this Women in Manufacturing Summit, which was started basically by a small group of women from the Precision Metal Forming Association in 2009. And since then it has grown to hundreds of members and there were new people on the scene, students that were trying to get involved. And just to listen to what others have to say is really a great way to get involved.
2: I have a follow-up question uh, regarding uh, women in manufacturing. Our Department of Commerce is now headed by uh, Penny Pritzer, who's been just uh, named, uh, I think, back in June by uh, uh, Obama. Do you know anything about her feelings about and what uh, she's looking to bring to uh, the plate in terms of the Department of Commerce and what they are looking to do? to help not only women but uh, men in manufacturing?
3: don't know about her specific initiatives, but like I mentioned with the commerce report, the Congress re- report, that they just are issuing these reports with steps, a step-by-step basis, and you can even look at my website on the Career Journal. I have many infographics out on this just to increase leadership roles, but I don't know especially about her uh, specific initiatives
2: well perhaps we're gonna have to look into that a little closer for another show definitely uh tim yep uh,
1: i know that paul uh, touched on technology in the workplace and lou i think when you gave me a tour i even saw this on your shop floor because before my vision was guys with anvils and hammers and uh, that's not what i saw i saw mechanization. I saw uh, uh, robots being handled by laptops. Isn't that what you're seeing in
2: forging these days? I've toured around not only uh, our own shop, but uh, other shops throughout the country and uh, actually some shops uh, out of the country. Uh, The forging industry today is uh, they're becoming huge computers. A six-man crew on a hammer at one time was very uh, ordinary. Now you have two one who operates a joystick and the other one who's uh, flip-flopping a 200-pound piece of hot metal. So, yeah, there's been a lot of uh, new technology coming to the uh, forefront. And, uh, I mean, it's always going to be a heated and hit them industry, but we'll be able to do it more efficiently and perhaps with less people because of the uh, advancement of technology Uh, but yes there's many changes happening uh, within the forging industry.
1: Paul when you're talking about technology and Lou just touched on a very important point I know I was involved in the very early stages of the computer revolution and everybody thought that the computers would uh, take out all the administrative staff in fact it took out the middle market staff and it took out a lot of the operators what are manufacturers doing? I mean, we've got 600,000 jobs to
4: fill. What kind of jobs are they? The jobs are all through uh, the organizations. I mean, they're, they're, they're uh, uh, again, working on the machines. I mean, you look at uh, whether, whether you're a plastic injection molder or a metal uh, forging business. It is the kinds of jobs that require certain skill sets that need to be trained. Uh, and, uh, again, I think what, what happens is manufacturers can get involved in the whole skill set training process. I mean, I, you know, I'll give you a good example. We've got a company by the name of Rodon, uh, plastic injection molder out of uh, Hatfield, Pennsylvania, and what they're doing is they're getting involved with local community colleges and technical schools to start to attract those millennials. Uh, they're working with uh, other manufacturers in their space to uh Really develop these kinds of programs where they can position manufacturing to the millennials as a real exciting opportunity, but also give them a, a clear path, uh, to, to getting the job. Because I think mean, the bottom line is technology doesn't necessarily mean that jobs are going away. What it means is that jobs are evolving and jobs are changing. You know, and, and Lou, I think you, you know, you mentioned it a little bit earlier, uh, is, you know, when you walk, uh, or, or, or now you can, they're they're driving on these little golf carts with their little PDAs, making sure machines are running well. Uh, and you're looking at the robotics, right? You're looking at the automation. You're looking at the material starting as raw material coming through the other end as as a as a finished product, a finished component. Uh, so it it really is about getting the opportunity to train the, the 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 these millennials, get them into the workforce as as quickly as we can, so they can also pick up from the baby boomers who are in these roles and learn from them also. I think another good example is a company by the name of tailored Label Products. You know, uh, to Beth's point about STEM education, and, Tim, I think you also talked about that a little bit, is that what they're doing is they're looking in their community and they're identifying at-risk students at the high school level. Right? These are, you know, young people who are at risk because of either uh, – personal home situations or economic situations in their communities and what they've done is to develop an internship where these at-risk students come in and learn skills they've also built a classroom in their facilities so that these kids also keep their eye on the ball with their own schoolwork right so that they, they, they do graduate from high school so they come out of this program with not only a high school diploma, but also some really good manufacturing skills that they can then turn into opportunities for employment later on.
1: That's great information, Paul. Um, A quick question for Beth. Paul, you mentioned schools and what schools are doing, gave us a couple of examples. Beth, is this in your tours of America, what you're seeing and or recommending for manufacturers is to get involved with the the high schools, the trade schools, the local colleges, and let's make a connect here?
3: It's essential to make that connection. And a lot of these mid- to small size manufacturers are actually investing in automation. And it's important, like Paul just mentioned, to note that robots and automation are more of our co-collaborators rather than our competitors. We have to emphasize that point. And recruiting talent with tech is a major initiative now. It helps employees stay more engaged with the job at hand. If students are not interested in an early age, then they're less likely to go into these types of fields. It gives them the opportunity to be at the forefront of evolving industry, and it keeps companies more competitive. This is the best way to get the tech in your shop floor and to make sure that you retain the employees that are essential to closing the skill gap.
2: On a slightly separate note, the senior core of retired executive SCORE, which is a volunteer group uh, that works with the uh, government. Uh, They primarily work with small to medium-sized companies to give advice and uh, help them in um, structuring their companies and uh, giving them new ways to uh, do business. Are they at all a potential factor in regards to the employment of the, uh, um, uh, the this issue that we're now dealing with, the shortfall of employees?
4: Yeah, when you talk about um, uh, retired uh, individuals, I mean, you know, it, even the respondents to our surveys, which uh, for the survey were executives, C-level VPs, most of them were over 45 years old, right? And many of them were, you know, uh, moving up on the age. I think 35% were the 55 to 65 year old. There's an aging of even the executives. And there's a lot of resources that they have in terms of experiences they have, knowledge they have, and I think it's a great idea to involve those kinds of organizations, especially those executives that came out of manufacturing, and to sit down and work with them and create these groups with other manufacturers, get involved with the local schools, again, whether it's a high school, whether it is uh, uh, the community colleges or the technical schools, and we should be also evangelizing this to the boards of education. In other words, get involved and have these executives speak in front of boards of education to talk about the importance of STEM education, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, so that what happens is you start to not only make the board of educations aware, but hopefully through these efforts making the parents aware. So there's a lot of, you know, I'm sure that SCORE can get very, very involved with something like this in working with these uh, manufacturers, working with the community to really start to do that brand makeover we talked about earlier.
1: Paul, uh, I just want to uh, kind of go back on a point uh, that that you made before, which I think is pretty important, and that is the risk here is that if manufacturing doesn't respond. And really, if manufacturing in concert with our educational system doesn't respond, then the jobs moving overseas across the two oceans isn't
4: anybody's fault but our own. Would that be right? Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, the the, the challenge that we have is that, you know, I always tease uh, here, uh, people around this office, that sometimes I think as as humans we uh, uh, practice avoidance behavior. So we're not dealing with the reality that we have this aging population that's amongst our workforce and that if we don't start filling them with with the millennials and then later on those who are in high school or grade school, then we're going to have a real problem because, Tim, to your point is that you know, we, we've done a great job uh, in, in attracting manufacturing back to the U.S., right, pushing this concept of buying American. So we're increasing the demand for American goods, right? I mean, we're increasing the demand for, for, for solutions coming from our own soil. If we can't meet that demand, the demand is not going to go away. So the demand will start to look elsewhere, overseas, solutions and once you get them back in the habit of buying overseas again you now have to you know you 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 again risk losing the opportunity long term
2: before the break Paul I just want to leave you with one question and you'll have about 60 seconds to think about it which I don't think you'll have a problem what's going to happen in 10 to 15 years from now if we don't solve this issue and on that point we're going for a break
0: Where do you go when you're looking for quality suppliers of new equipment, components, MRO supplies, repair services, or even raw materials? 30 years ago, you would have turned to the Thomas Register. Today, those big green books are better than ever at thomasnet.com, the industry's leading platform for product sourcing and supplier discovery. You can find that local machine shop, national distributor, OEM, or any supplier with the right quality certification, fast and free. And now you can even get to that specific product or downloadable 3D CAD drawing. Find them easily by any specification or part number. And with ThomasNet News, you'll receive the latest on new products and companies in the market, along with your choice of industry-specific journals, all free of charge. ThomasNet.com. There's simply no other resource like it. To learn more, simply visit ThomasNet.com today and see what a powerful tool it can be for you. Thank you And now back to our show with our special guests and our special hosts, Lou and Tim. Good 30 seconds worth
2: of uh, think time. During that time also, we had a really a very important email that came in from France that I'd like also to read to you. Perhaps I should read it first and then let you answer the question about the 10 to 15 year period. So let me just turn my computer here. This is from Royce from France. Uh, The German way of mass apprenticeship schemes is recognized as one of the reasons for the success in manufacturing, quality, and exports. Has anything similar been tried in the U.S.? Is there any reason that it couldn't be? Couldn't this be a way to fill all those jobs that are going? And again, that's from Royce, metallurgist from France. So now you have two two questions for me.
4: I'll answer the first one you asked before the break. What is the situation 10 to 15 years from now? I I think studies say that by 2025, 75% of the workforce will be millennials. So the bottom line is that if we don't start grabbing them now, if we don't start getting their attention now, by the time they make up 75% of their workforce, they're already going to be established in whatever direction they decide to go. Uh, And I think that creates a real sense of urgency. To Royce's question, again, you know, I've shared two different examples of companies who have taken it upon themselves to develop this sort of mentorship, uh, internship-type program, one at the millennial level, one at the high school level. And I think that slowly but surely you're starting to see more companies starting to uh, uh, really take a hard look at how do you create these kinds of internships to bring these workers aboard? And I think, uh, Beth, I mean, you've had some, uh, some experience along this line.
3: Sure, yeah. I just attended the Innovate Educate Summit. This was in D.C., and this was basically a merge of policymakers. We had educators, human resource directors, as well as CEOs of top companies. And it's something that's been tried here in the U.S., and it's def- people are definitely taking advantage of the apprenticeship model the German model, Siemens Corporation, for example. It's a large size company, but the president and CEO was there and spoke about how that has been effective because you're essentially training the top talent, and they don't just look – they look for the best talent. So they recruit, they're often paid, and they're learning at the same time. So this is very effective.
4: I think you know. Um, you know, we ourselves have also tried to instill some excitement around uh, the manufacturing as a career. This past uh, September, we awarded thirty thousand dollars in scholarships. Uh, we awarded uh, thirty students one thousand dollars scholarships who are going into uh, engineering programs, but also supply chain management two-year colleges, as well as technical schools. And, and you know, I remember uh, we received a thank-you note from a young woman, and you talk about women in manufacturing, who thanked us for the, the scholarship because it allowed her to buy the books she needed so that she can learn to weld. Uh, and she was going to technical school for welding. And I think, you know, when you read these kinds of stories, they're made aware of the opportunities through these apprenticeships, through these kinds of programs, if they if they uh, if if it's put into their radar, there are kids that get very very excited about welding, around making something, right? The you know, Lou. I mean, I'm sure you experience this when you know, in your own facilities, when you see an end product come out of that process, right? You, you you see something you made, you see something you feel good about having been involved with getting something from raw material to finished product.
2: Uh, Paul, at uh, one time we used to hear a lot about uh, enterprise zones special government-sponsored areas for lower taxes and uh, retraining of uh, people in perhaps poor communities and such uh, in the inner cities to help build up inner cities and it would also probably aid in uh, one particular area of employer employment uh, and that has to do with the veterans who are coming back from uh, overseas. Uh, what are we doing with them? We've got but 100,000 that are going to be coming back over the next uh, year or two. You've got 600,000 jobs. Is 100,000 uh, vets coming back? You have the enterprise zones. Is do we have any information on that
4: available? Yeah, and absolutely. And I'm going to ask Beth to really uh, talk, speak to the whole uh, veterans uh, opportunity because I think we have an incredible untapped resource and future workers amongst the veterans, Beth.
3: Definitely, and we need to help the veterans who come back home that are lost in career translation, they're lost in skills translation. So we have 34,000 troops that are expected to be pulled back home by 2014. We're really close to this. And veterans are really critical talent to filling the pipeline. They have extensive technical training and leadership skills. And military veterans are often the ideal candidates for top manufacturing positions. And sometimes the culture in the military is that you promote those who you work for. And now they have to promote themselves. And sometimes they get lost and they undersell themselves, which is unfortunate. But there are major efforts here, such as the Get to Skills, Get Skills to Work Coalition. And that was started by GE, the Manufacturing Institute, Alcoa, Lockheed Martin. And it had the goal of training these veterans with the skills that they need in advanced manufacturing careers. And they want to get 100,000 veterans in advanced manufacturing by 2015. And what they've created is a digital badge system. So the Manufacturing Institute actually worked with Futures Incorporated and they decided to create this digital badge system to make it easier for employers to sort of track the talent. They want to translate the military occupational specialty codes to civilian positions. So now the military ex-servicemen and women can know where they stand and employers have an easier time in filling positions that they might not necessarily, might not be too obvious coming in. So we're talking about CNC machine operators, electronics assemblers, machinists, material handlers. There's a big opportunity for filling the pipeline, for getting the veterans with giving them the opportunities that they deserve coming back home.
4: And we are, we are very passionate about it. When you look at the fact that, that, that these veterans have served their country, have done a tremendous service uh, uh, for us, and, and now we have an opportunity to put them in the right spots and get them the training they need. Uh, and, and I think what, what, what Beth is describing is actually a pretty exciting uh, opportunity, the idea that you can take the skills that they learned and through these digital badges match them up with opportunities in the workforce.
2: The training that you were just referring to, uh, Lockheed, GE Alcoa, that's all well and good for them to be doing the training to replace the employment for their monolithic size organizations. Uh, sure. Getting back to uh, our, our passion which is the small to medium size, do those particular training programs help these folks for the small medium-sized yeah. jobs?
3: Definitely, but there are also other initiatives, and I've spoken with recruiters just to get a better sense of what they can do to be proactive with, rec- with recruiting veterans, and they've told me that organizations can actually help veterans by ho- hosting an open house. They need to showcase their companies or industries and really get the talent on a showcase. And sending recruiters to veterans and military focused hiring events with someone who has actually been in the military. You have someone who speaks your language, you have someone who's been through your struggles, your challenges, and someone who can really speak to what it takes. And those are specific efforts that small to mid sized manufacturers can take, including going to this Get Skills to Work Coalition and finding out more online.
1: I know that. Uh we're going to run short on time here and this is a terrific subject so i I certainly would like to entertain you all coming back and speaking with us again uh, because i'm very excited about uh, a concept that you introduced paul called the brand makeover of manufacturing i mean i just think that's a really uh, exciting topic uh, that we should delve into in terms of getting the cool factor back in manufacturing um, I want to touch on that again on the whole Buy American uh, idea. Um, but as we wrap up the show here, Paul and Beth, can you give us, uh, uh, first, Paul, then, Beth, uh, your, your respective websites and maybe give us a little idea of how people can drill down in those to get to some of the information we've been talking about, Paul?
4: Yeah, again, I I highly recommend that you uh, go to thomasnetjobs.com to find out. First of all, for for any manufacturer, small to medium size especially, who have these positions to fill, to get your jobs uh, posted on the jobs board as well as anybody in the listening audience who is looking for a new career or is looking to start their career to be able to to reach out and and, uh, go to the jobs board to find any kind of apprenticeship or internships that may be available. You know, we have our career journal, and this is a great place for you to, one, if you're an employer, learn the steps that you can take. Many of the steps that, that Beth has talked about already are in the articles that she's written. Uh, as well as the steps that uh, potential employees can uh, take. Uh, I w- it would invite you to, to go to thomasnet.com, our main uh, uh, website, where you can see especially if you're looking to buy uh, goods for your own business, you can find suppliers and, and find information. You can get white papers. You can you know, uh, read the latest uh, uh, white paper on, on many of the different aspects of, of, uh, of, of, of issues that many manufacturers are dealing with. And then, obviously, ThomasNet News, which, is, uh, which I'm the publisher of, where you can get the news on the latest new products in the marketplace, plus read articles and insight on market trends, uh, uh, procurement issues, as well as many other uh, uh, types of publications that hopefully will meet the needs of, of your audience.
1: Oh, that's great. Thanks. Now, Lou, your company has been uh, uh, just terrific in sponsoring uh, manufacturing talk radio. Uh, we're very excited to have you as uh, as our sponsor. Can you give the folks some information about your company and where people can go both to get more information? And I know that uh, we have a link between the two so that they can get show information,
2: and we'll post uh, some of Paul's information there too. Our website is www.steelforge.com. Actually, it's a fairly new redesigned site, so there's a lot of new information on there. There is a, a link to mfg talk radio uh and uh, we welcome any uh, comments and questions uh we welcome doing business also uh, as opposed to just uh, a service service to the trade we have lots of good information on the site and we have good salespeople who are uh, anxious to service the marketplace so thank you for giving me that opening gosh
1: i appreciate uh, everyone who has been here today uh Paul Germino, Paul, will put your information, contact information up on the website. Beth will put yours up. And, Beth, I certainly would like to hear from you in the future on steps that manufacturers can take and steps that employers can take. We didn't really get into that information. I think it's absolutely critical that we hear that okay. so that the jobs don't move back offshore and people start buying overseas again. We look forward to the next show, by the way, on the December Uh, second. That's a Monday at 2 p.m. We're going to be talking about the ISM number that will be released uh, at 10 a.m. that morning. So we've got some exciting things coming up, and we uh, greatly appreciate our guests. Hopefully we'll talk to you again in the very
2: near future. Thank you, Paul, for being on the show. Thank you.
3: Thank you so much.
2: Take care, folks. We'll talk to you another time.
0: you've been listening to Manufacturing Talk Radio, the only show that takes a look at the opportunities and obstacles small to mid-sized enterprises face in manufacturing here in America. With your hosts, Tim Grady and Lou Weiss, sponsored by All Metals and Forge Group.